Hello everyone and welcome to Luke Lore, a quick deep dive into a folklore topic where I share some of the stories from around the world that have piqued my interest. We have a special episode today with two guests here to talk vampires, Lady Mariam Drager and filmmaker Matt Stewart. Hi everyone, I'm Lady Mariam. I am a cross-media horror producer and today I am here with one of my favorite directors in the world and one of my favorite podcasters uh, to talk about vampires. Hell yeah. And I am Matt Stewart. I'm a writer, director, previously have made the movie is a rewind and tonight she comes. And now I'm working on a movie called Wake Not the Dead, which also happens to be about vampires. And uh, yeah, we've shot about half the movie and we're currently doing an Indiegogo to shoot the second half. Woohoo! Hopefully my audience know who I am, but for the benefit of everyone new, I'm Luke Greensmith, folklorist, para-weird researcher, cross-media horror writer, and indie film producer. There's probably a few other things too I get around, especially if there's spooky stories to be had. As Matt's already led in, you two have close links to the topic of vampires. We'll talk about it more at the episode, but we'd like to give some more info up front, any extra juicy tidbits about why we shouldn't wait, well, why we should wake not the dead. Yeah, so uh, I've been working on this movie for the last several months, and uh, Miriam was also on it and super helpful uh, while we were on the first half of the production. And so a little bit about Wake Not the Dead. It's a sort of, well, it's definitely a vampire movie, but it's sort of a bit of a comedy as well, Um, sort of a dark comedy, and it's about what happens when a filmmaker starts making a movie about a vampire. The vampire has no idea that this film is being made. And uh, it then leads into a very voyeuristic kind of nature documentary about a vampire that then, I guess if you've seen any of my films before, it should be pretty obvious that this one's going to get extremely bloody and insane and crazy too. (laughs) So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like, it takes like a whole bunch of things that I love about movies that you don't necessarily always see in the same movie together. It kind of just like throws them all in and then blends everything up. Matt's being super modest about this because this movie is going to be absolutely friggin' awesome. Matt has this and Matt, I'm, I, I can say this about you. It would be weird if you tuned your own <laughs> horn. But Matt has this incredible ability to get the balance right between a slightly camp sense of humor that's really subtle and still over the top, but balancing that with the gore and the horror, and of course, the awesome storytelling, the good writing, the character arc. So it's it's just one of those movies. Yes, it's an indie film. It has to be indie because I don't think a big studio would take a risk on a film that's that out there. But in terms of the quality, the budget, the crew and everything that went into it, it is so exceptional and so high quality and just fun. I I, I don't even want to call it a movie. I want to say it's an experience. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's kind of accurate. It's like a lot of things that movies typically have, like uh, scenes of dialogue between two characters. This one (laughs) kind of almost doesn't have that at all which i know is a really weird thing to say but it's it it's even sort of by my standards of like i like making weird shit this one's very 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 weird you know i love a movie that's like super over the top and just like ridiculous and like fake looking couldn't tell like but when i'm when i'm making something i don't like it to look that way like i like watching movies like that but if i'm making something it's like i want the gorge to look pretty damn real 
and even regardless of whether it's fun or not, and in this movie, it's definitely fun, but it still looks like really nasty and uh, and realistic. Well, I want to say a majority of the budget went into the special effects um, on set, right? I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not going to yeah, name was, any numbers here, but like, I'm pretty sure they, most they, of what you had went into that. A fair amount of the budget goes to the effects for sure. They're, the script is 95 pages long and there's like 200 makeup effects or something like that. There's a lot of makeup effects, basically. And I, I guess another thing to note, too, is uh, where can you find this Indiegogo? It's uh, wakenotthedead.com. We'll take you to the Indiegogo page. And there's, I think, a pretty fun like Indiegogo pitch video there. And I also have a trailer, a short like teaser trailer from footage that we shot from the first half. So that kind of gives you a pretty good tone of what the movie's going to be like, uh, with also without really spoiling anything. All right, let's get with the folklore and we'll circle back around to the movie again at the end for even more detail. Let's do it. Right, I freaking love vampires. I mean, I love all things horror and folklore, but vampires are pretty special. The whole world has its own versions of them, and while we can label something vampire, they can come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. We're veering more into witchcraft than the usual Restless Dead with one of Malaysia's vampire stories about women they weirdly have more than one. This one is called the Penangalan, with a name derived from the word Tangal, to remove or take off. This is because the blood-sucking Penangalan reveals its true nature by taking its head off, leaving the head to float through the night in search of victims, trailing its organs behind as it goes. A twisted, almost flying jellyfish made of a woman's head dangling articulated lungs, heart, stomach, and entrails, which reach out in search of blood to drink. The victim of choice of the young and helpless, with their favorite food by far being pregnant women. That's horrifically specific. Thank you, Luke. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great. Uh, this disturbing parasite comes with added dangers beyond just blood loss. Anyone it feeds upon risks, mm, risks contacting a wasting disease that will almost always be fatal. It doesn't just need to feed to be a threat. If its exposed organs brush across anyone's skin, it will blister and burn. You don't even need to touch it. If it drips viscous fluid on anyone it floats over in the night, any skin it touches can form painful open sores. Being unnatural, you're stuck not healing without a boma shaman's help. Warding off a Penangalan is remarkably practical. Less mystical rites, more making plans to mess them up based on their exposed organs and known behaviour. Like Home Alone, but with vampiric organ witches. Malaysian houses are frequently on stilts, and the hungry Penangalan likes to hide under them, waiting for everyone above. Let's make that movie as a, as a new one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crowdfunding campaign starts now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I would watch that movie for sure. <laughs> There are some Penangalon movies out there, but I think that if we can drum enough interest and some funding, we could really go for it. Because I've got more to show yet. Hungry Penangalan. It likes to hide under the stilted houses, waiting for everyone above to fall asleep, so it can reach in through open windows with its entrails, reaching around searching for a victim to feed upon. Local thorny plants became the weapon of choice here, because you can collect up the Mankwang plants to decorate windows and beneath the home so the sharp spiky leaves will trap the exposed organs of the gruesome creature. Shards of glass glued onto the walls around homes pull double duty as Penangalan catches on top of the foot-tearing thieves. A pregnant woman can also take her defence into her own hands. Penangalan are afraid of scissors and other cutting tools. They're sneaks in the night that are vulnerable to having their grasping organs sheared off, 
So sleeping with something to defend yourself under your pillow. Wait, scissors? <laughs> so we've got this horrific, yep. acidic, floating creature, and all you need is a pair of scissors? <laughs> I, love, I love that. It won't kill it. It won't kill it, but it will, like, it's like a deterrence thing. Rather than get, risking losing body parts, it'll just go and find a softer target. So it is a thief right. in the night, and deterrence is the best way forward. Of course, it's not like, yeah, it's like when you're when you're stopping someone from stealing something from you, it's not about it being impossible to steal the thing. It's just being less of an easy target than someone else. I just like envision a scene where in the movie version, it's like it's going super dark and terrifying and it's coming for this pregnant woman. And then she whips out a, like a massive pair of scissors and it's just like the tables have turned. Uh, and it just get, and you're like, oh, I didn't think this movie was going to be funny. And it was like, oh, you thought wrong. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I that's exactly what it's like in my head. I, I think it would make a fantastic movie. Just having this pregnant woman with a pair of sheer is walking around and this screaming floating pile of uh, organs with a head. I love it. And then of, of course with the clever booby traps because it's still home alone. So <laughs> You get the, but like the classic movie that's playing is like some version of just like Dracula or something too instead of the, uh, <laughs> the Home Alone movie. That's <laughs> good. There are some more laughs to be had yet but I've got some semi-serious explaining of how to make them followed by an accidental time one was made and how to kill them or prank them. There's a good prank to be played on them as well. Nice. Typically, a Penanga line is made by choice. Women who practice black magic can broker deals with demons to gain this power. Good for revenge or else just because it seems like a laugh when you're wicked enough. There appears to be rituals involving soaking in vinegar up to the neck that will eventually allow the witch to pop her head off and take her guts for a moonlit stroll. And vinegar appears to be essential to shrink the monstrous entrails back down again so they'll fit in with the rest of the body, which now exists as an important disguise. Because of this, despite the Penangalan seeming like a normal woman in the day, or when choosing to disguise themselves at night, there's an overwhelming smell of vinegar to give them away. This is useful in avoiding them at night as well as identifying them in the day, since you definitely don't want the horrible thing to touch you. There are tales of extremely suspect midwives stinking of vinegar and licking their lips in anticipation around pregnant women that they scout out during the day for feeding upon later. Alternatively, an innocent woman can be coerced into becoming a Penangalan if a witch is active in a community. The unwary dabbling with demons can also end up with such a creature by either messing up a demonic pact or else deliberately breaking it. There's even one wild story of a penangulan being made by accident. So the tale goes, a young woman was bathing in a tub that used to be used to hold vinegar. While innocently meditating during her soak, some dumbass of a man barged into the room without any warning. This had accidentally created the right conditions for a penangulan. And when she jerked her head up in surprise at the intruder, it popped clean off, trailing her now venomous organs behind it. <laughs> her next move after the surprise wore off was a reasonable one. She spent the night chasing him through the air, yelling at him. Her body left behind in a tub. All right. So note to self, don't store vinegar in your tub if you're planning don't on using it. Don't bathe in, in vinegar, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm curious though. So even during the day, if you get touched by one of these and they're looking more human, it's still it's still bad. No, it's the or it's only, exposed it's organs only themselves in, and the fluids inside them. Okay, so in day daytime they're safe to be around, but once night comes out, get away. Do you have to perform some sort of ritual every time you want to turn into one? So if you're some black magic witch is it like oh you know tonight i feel like being a palangalang or whatever i'm sorry i got the pronunciation wrong tonight i feel like being the thing and then you just like transform 
that night? Or is it like once you've become one, you basically become one every night? Or do you choose which nights you turn into this creature? Or what's the deal? Once you've done the ritual, you can at any time in the night just pop your head off and go for a flyabout. But there are drawbacks. So we'll get into getting rid of one for you now. While it's relatively simple to inconvenience or hurt a Penangalan, you're kind of just making it mad. Probably not the best of ideas, because at what point do you tip the angry toxic to the touch witch out of hiding and into a literally flying rage? You need to find the body to truly destroy the creature. Broken glass returns as a weapon of choice. Grind up a load of pieces and fill the empty body with it. The organs will not be able to return to safety, and the day will destroy the displaced creature without a hiding place. Just preventing the Penangalan from returning to its body will technically do the same thing, but the creature is likely to decide to take as many people down with it as possible if it finds its body missing. Trying to run away with the body may just draw it to you, it's also not ideal, but there are ways to sanctify the corpse so it's no longer usable. Trusty fire returns across many vampire myths, although it seems to specifically require full cremation here. You may just have an angry, extra crispy witch looking for revenge if you do it wrong. But there is also a pretty funny way to mess with a Penangalan. Again, do this at your own risk due to the whole angry witch thing, but this may be worth it for comedy factor alone. Discovering the body will typically find it rested ready for reattachment. So if you can rearrange them in close enough to the same way but only back to front, the Penangalan can be stuck with its head on backwards for the day, revealing its true nature as it carelessly heads out or else can't stay hidden <laughs> when the prankster returns with a posse to deal with a revealed bloodsucker while its powers can't be used. Just get your laughs in before the next sundown and make sure to finish the sleigh job. Can you imagine being someone who's like, oh, I found the body of this thing and I can, I can destroy it, but instead I'm just going to pull a prank and turn its body around. What kind of, what kind of person I, is that confident in, in how, to, how to deal with this situation? I, I mean, that's like me right there. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds super fun. Okay, <laughs> it's like, like this thing's been chasing me for multiple nights. It's pissed me off. And like, you know, yeah, you could just kill it and it'd be over with. But like, no, I'm going to cause it some, some annoyance at least. <laughs> just some inconvenience for the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good alternative if you're a child who's not really in a position to do anything that'll really be strong with it. But it's also the kind of thing you do just to get your own back at the witch, really. I mean, uh, here's another question in terms of like defeating it or, you know, making it stop temporarily. If it's acidic, chemically speaking, wouldn't you be able to throw some sort of base at it and stop it like soap or something? Wouldn't wouldn't technically soap stop it? Maybe, but you've also got to worry about the magic of it all. Like, do you have a magical alkaline? God damn it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> magical alkaline it is. I mean, to me now, this, this, like, the movie of this now is Home Alone meets I Saw the Devil. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's a masterpiece. It's glorious. Well, it, it must be made. <laughs> you know, when the scene in The Lost Boys where they burst into the church and get all the holy water, I can instead see that they go in like they've stolen a soap dispenser off of the <laughs> toilet wall and they've got the priest to bless yeah. the soap. <laughs> it's such a clean ending. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you you kill the vampire and then you're like, I don't even have to do any cleanup. We're good. It's just foamy. <laughs> All right, so that was the Penangalan. How about we go to the Jiangxi? And th this is a cold read for me, too. I, I read like a few little bits of it, but it's uh, I'll be just as surprised as you guys while I'm reading this. But so <laughs> my vampire is the Chinese hopping vampire. Uh, which I just Hot. found to to be, <laughs> yeah, it just it was, just sounded so sexy to me that I was like, I got to do this one. 
especially yeah the first sentence like really gets you going uh so <laughs> in a lot of cultures the corpse-like pallor if not full-on rotting flesh can give away a vampire or a ghoul <laughs> the chinese jiangxi goes one step further this particular undead body remains in rigor mortis for its own life leaving its limbs stuck outstretched and leading to an obvious giveaway about its nature vampire moves by hopping along its stiff legs <laughs> And its name literally means stiff corpse. Yeah, so baby. This, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you're into vampires, this is this is the one to be into. Um, this is not the kind of monster that can hide its nature to move about the living, but it more than makes up for that lack of stealth by being a magically unstoppable killing machine. Which I am actually very curious about how much of a killing machine this can be, since it's just like it's like I'm, I'm envisioning just like a vampire, like like a Dracula action figure right now, and it's just like a kid's like hopping it around. So I, I am legit pretty curious of how it becomes so unstoppable, which we're probably about to get into. They do have some traditional iconography along the lines of Dracula, turning up in evening dress, the robes and rounded hat of a Chinese official, frequently with a paper ceiling spell attached to them, in a similar way to a subtext of Dracula being a jab at bloodthirsty aristocracy. Jiangxi being associated with Qing Dynasty officials seems to be shots fired at them being greedy and inhuman. Whether in this traditional garb looking relatively normal, being fresh, or rotting apart, there's usually the extra detail of a greenish-white skin. An assortment of fungus and mold common to untreated corpses clearly marking them out as the undead. So, clearly not stealthy whatsoever on these guys. While Jiangxi have pretty iconic behavior, stories about how one may be made can vary wildly. China, being a big country with a lot of history, this is no surprise. An evil spirit may possess a convenient corpse... Magic may be performed to create one. An unintended corpse can either absorb enough negative energy from its surroundings or simply was left with too much negativity from a lifetime of misdeeds. But being evil isn't all that can leave behind a high-risk corpse. Sorrow that led to suicide or simply being a troublemaker determined to continue being a problem after death can also do this. And sometimes an inciting incident is needed on top of meeting other requirements. Holding a funeral but not burying the body can leave a corpse restless. Lightning hitting a suitable unburied corpse at night can jolt it into a jiangxi. That's pretty awesome. And also, <laughs> this next one's wild too. Uh, and letting a pregnant black cat walk across an as yet unburied body <laughs> may be cause for supernatural panic stations. <laughs> Again, so specific. <laughs> yeah, it's so if like you're really I just an asshole and you. <laughs> yeah i you know i leave my corpses out sometimes and i don't have a black cat thank god so I'm, this has never happened to me yet <laughs> but uh if you got a black cat do, do not leave your corpses unburied as long as they're not pregnant it's fine it's when the cat's pregnant <laughs> that it becomes a problem but yeah how do that's you know? true the, even if you've got a fat black cat do not let it walk across the corpses don't take that risk not worth it <laughs> There are some striking similarities shared in stories between what we expect of a vampire in pop culture and the traditional Chinese equivalent. The obsessive counting to distract a European vampire is especially effective against the Jiangxi. Throwing down a bag of rice or coins on the floor will buy you time to escape. They like they hop on the coins and it's like another Home Alone type situation. They just fall over. Well, is it because um, they have to count it? Is that why? Yeah, they're obsessed. They yeah, have to count it. 
Gotcha. Okay, so I actually had never really heard about the obsessive uh, counting nature of vampires. That's interesting. They all um, have OCD. <laughs> yeah, it's, it actually is. When you look at the official tales, there is like incredible supernatural levels of OCD can distract the vampire. I have to imagine that's where like the Sesame Street vampire got like the counting <laughs> nature of it. I would not be surprised <laughs> if that was just a yeah, million, joke. One million and it one must be, yeah. Like, that's Ah, wow, ah, like, the ah. more you know, though, I would have thought they just had him do that just because. So what um, you're saying is always walk around with a pocket full of rice, because I, I'm not going to throw my money on the ground. <laughs> it's like, we're artists. If you've got, if you you got like, your life, the 20... Marty, come back in the daytime. <laughs> you got, like, the 20-pound bag of rice, and you throw that thing down, <laughs> that vampire's going to be stuck there for, like, for a long time. several, like, a month. <laughs> yeah. You got like a Starship Troopers, the book mech suit, and it's just packed full of rice. <laughs> so that will buy you time. Um, okay. Well, possibly even distract them past sunrise. Most definitely if you're doing the, the 20 pound bag, destroying them or otherwise purifying the corrupted corpse. So it's simply dead again. And other parts of the myth overlap in unusual ways. Mirrors matter. Uh, only... A Jengshi is terrified of a mirror rather than not showing up in one. It reflects their evil nature, and even they can't cope with it. So that's kind of sweet, too. Mm. So you, you polish that mech suit up so it's really shiny, and then you're like double, you're double protected. Um, <laughs> what happens if there's a, a mirror and you throw the rice in front of the mirror? Like, <laughs> does, it, does, does the vampire need to count it all? Does he duplicate it? Does he stare at himself and then count? I feel like, I feel like there's a little more confusion then. Does the OCD win out over the terror? That that's the the question. That's the there. true question. So a mirror in this way instead functions similar to a crucifix for a Stoker style vampire warding off the evil. Also, an eight sided Bakwa mirror may be the best according to some sources, especially if you want to use reflected light to go for the kill. But any reflective <laughs> enough surface can do the warding trick in a pinch. I mean, this just turned um, into a music video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be sweet. I'm actually, I'm actually gonna look. I'm curious what an eight-sided Bakwa mirror is. So I'm gonna like look it up real quick. Okay, cool. So it's it's kind of like a stop sign with a hole in the middle of it, and then it's kind of like all at different little angles and stuff. Yeah, it's busy. It looks good. I like it. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. You could like wear a small one. It's like a so yeah. It very you, that's your crucifix is like that mirror instead for sure. Some folklore surrounding China's hungry dead are pretty specific to them. The paper talismans depicted as part of their outfit should seal the evil away if done right, leaving them immobile, I guess hence the hopping nature, provided you leave the talisman in place. Taoist funeral bells can either drive them away or even send them hopping home to get a proper burial. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um the sound of a cockerel crowing can send them running for cover from the coming sun, and they can be tricked this way if you can get the sound right. Feng Shui has a novel suggestion for protecting a home. Install 15-centimeter-high wooden blocks across the bottom of doorways, making entry too awkward for the hopping corpse to manage. I feel kind of sorry for them at that point. <laughs> These vampires, they're, like, they're looking at Western vampires who are like all badass and sexy, and they're like, why do we have to be made like this? <laughs> what have we done uh, wrong? <laughs> I, see, what's the, the little thing that you can like hop on to? Uh, the, like as a kid, uh, like the pogo stick. This is like, like if you're going like home alone with this one too, Kevin's just on like a pogo stick 
be able to hop slightly higher than the vampire and he's just like going back and forth (laughs) over the blocks he's like you can't do this can you (laughs) Uh, you've missed a modern terror though what if the vampire hops on top of a Roomba and just kind of starts zooming around Roomba behind him? <laughs> oh, that's that's true. <laughs> the, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess then it's like you just got to get above some stairs <laughs> and then that Roomba's screwed too. <laughs> um, let's see. So a lot of this comes down to the animalistic nature of the Jiangxi. They align more with feral flesh, hungry ghoul mythology than they do with Bram Stoker's reworking into evil masterminds. They're not especially smart, which is cold comfort if you blunder into one unprepared, but this does at least give you options if you keep a level head. So they, they're like a little bit more like zombie-esque than yeah. your traditional traditional vampire. Closer to the corpse. Yeah, which I, I, I'm into that because I feel like zombies and vampires go together really well. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so let's see. The traditional weapon of choice is a clear win in levels of awesome for the Jiangxi, while a wooden stake would probably work if it was made from a peach tree. Peach trees having properties that ward off evil spirits and as such could purify the corpse. The weapon of choice to put down a Jiangxi is very different to a pointy stick. You forge a sword out of old coins, then leave it in the moonlight to charge its power. Then you're ready to slay a Jiangxi in style. Uh, that's cool. I, I wonder if if forging a sword out of old coins is like outside of this as a method to kill these guys if that's is that just a thing that's done in china or anywhere um because it seems like it would be cool i mean at the end of the day you got a sword and that's going to answer a lot of problems yeah exactly well, yeah whether it's made out of old coins or not it's, it's sword's helpful i like the peach tree uh, weapon that's charged in the moonlight or with those two separate things why a peach tree? No, 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 no. The peach, peach tree is not charged in the peach trees. Just naturally have properties gotcha. that ward off evil spirits of and have Add delicious fruits too. Do. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, but so it depends. Like if you're feeling hungry on your mission to defeat the Jiangxi, you go for like you break off a branch of a peach tree, keep some of those peaches on there, and you can do a little bit of stabbing and a little bit of uh, snacking as well. It's a good combo. Stab and snack. Stab and <laughs> That'll snack. be the name of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fi- fire also works. Um, another bit of mythic <laughs> synchronicity. I love fire, that. fire like, also fi- works. <laughs> I feel like in general, if you're trying to kill any sort of like demonic or supernatural threat, just Fire's immediately good. go to fire because it's very rare that fire does not work. Yeah, just test it out. See what happens. <laughs> yeah, just keep some matches on you. Are they going to be super muscular because all they do is hop? Like it's leg day every day for these things, right? So, but they're also they undead, though. They're just they're und- undead corpses too. So it's a, I feel like well, the hopping question, is a bit right? more magical in nature. So like I feel like they're not really building uh, muscle mass while they're hopping since they're already dead. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't want to assume because that'll just get me in trouble. I've seen movies with these uh, with these creatures in them. And it's so like they sound they can sound terrifying when they're described to you. And I'm sure if I saw something like this in real life, it would be so uncanny and weird that I'd feel uncomfortable. But in movies, it's really just actors hopping around and they really can't they really can't get it right, at least in the in the ones Uh, that uh, I've seen from a few decades ago. I don't know. I don't think I've seen a a modern horror film or a modern film with these hopping vampires i think uh, i think it's just hard to pull off all right but back to it 
Fires the cleanser, mankind's first great leveler against the wild, the dark, and the unknown. But for full style points, you're going to want to forge your own moon powered magic sword. I agree, <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. agree, 100%. Yeah, fire, fire, you like, fire's going to work, but it's like, it's kind of, you're more legendary if you defeat him with a moon powered magical sword. I mean, what about a combo weapon where you've got the moon powered magic sword and then something that shoots fire on the sword? I feel like that's the way to go. Well, I'm going to say it right now that your neighbors will appreciate it if you don't use Molotov cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, but that's that's a shame. <laughs> but, but I feel like, I don't know, because I have never thrown one, but it looks like it would be so much fun to, to do. So 100%. your neighbors would appreciate you, but you're like, I wasn't even having a good time if I couldn't throw a Molotov. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't want to get close oh, no. enough to hit it with a sword. I feel like that's too close for comfort. Even even though we're laughing about it now, I, I don't want to get that close. I'd rather throw something from a distance and, and you know, watch it die from afar. Well, just get like 75 moon-powered swords and just throw the swords. <laughs> if I was good at it, I might consider it. Sadly, <laughs> I suck at throwing blades. Yeah. So, but Have you ever been uh, like axe throwing? Yeah, I was terrible. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was like, I was pretty good, and it was really fun. So I was like, I, yeah, I could, I could forge a moon-powered magical axe, and then you could get like, they, you know, those they're small enough. You get like, you could get seventy-five of those and just throw them. <laughs> you could. It's it's a sword. It's a tiny sword. It counts. But as cultures have blended together over time, especially in the information age, Jiangxi have become blood suckers in pop culture. Something that can be seen in a lot of movies and books made across Asia featuring the monster up to and including viral Jiangxi appearing in media. This wasn't traditionally accurate, however. They just needed to kill a living being and then would feed on the escaping life force, or chi. This makes them not a threat to the flesh, but directly a threat to the spirit. The hungering dead would simply chase a victim by hopping along with limitless stamina, followed by beating them to death with stiff-armed hammer blows. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And then as the unfortunate target takes their final struggling breaths, battered and broken, bones shattered and crushed, their life force their life force is mystically soaked up by mere proximity. In some variations of the stories, you don't even need the violence. Lame. Uh, a Jiangxi will just get up close and inhale the life force straight up. Whether unfeeling primal corpse or supernatural soul vacuum, they are not safe to fight head on. So that goes back to your point of throwing something at them is better than getting up close. Yeah, they're only funny until they're coming right at you and the fire's not burning them fast enough. Yeah, they're sucking your soul out of your body and you're like, oh, well, I should have thought this through better. Well, now that I know that they can drain energy, I'm questioning whether maybe I do have one uh, in my house <laughs> because it would explain some <laughs> of the fatigue. Uh, do they do they only appear at night or are they also daytime wanderers? Um, technically, they're probably fine as long as they stay in the dark. Okay, so like in the shade of a tree or something. Or a basement? They may just switch off and be normal corpses in a day, depending on how mystical the input is. Oh, that would be a, a fascinating way to hide. I mean, there are vampires even in Western lore that kind of do it that way, where daytime they're kind of just corpses, and then at night they come alive. So I wonder if you just say you are someone that's a bit soul-sucking on your own and, like, you know, you're just like one of those people that no one likes to be in a room with uh, because you just really drag down the energy. You put one of them up versus one of these and they're like, there's nothing to suck out. I'm trying so hard and it's giving me nothing. 
Uh, so that might be like, you got to find someone like that to battle one of these. I know a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so stories of the Jiangxi take a step sideways into the even weirder when you look at what may have led to the widespread idea of a hopping corpse. Taoist corpse transportation. Uh, at times across China's history, it was believed that people needed laying to rest on their home soil or else they'd be homesick in their grave. This led to how they got transported, propped upright on hand-drawn corpse carts held stiff with bamboo. Whoa. But, but why? Why would they do it this way? It's, that's interesting. To like fool, fool the spirit realm into thinking it wasn't dead yet, the corpse? Like the person was still alive and traveling back to their hometown? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It may just be an economy of space wing. Yeah, true. Uh, they just don't want to like stack the bodies on top of each other. It's... That's probably more disrespectful. Um, let's see. And they're only transported at night with a Taoist bell ringing out to warn people bodies are being taken home. Oh, that's uh, the sound of that the, bell. And the corpses would bounce up and down in their framework covered in paper charms as they travel to their final resting place. A sight the unluckily or the overly curious could witness for themselves knowing the dead are hopping their way across the country under the careful eye of priests keeping them in line. That's kind of cool. Do they still do that? Is that still a thing? I don't believe that's still a thing. They probably just use refrigerated cars now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things that might turn up in like a rural area where there's a procession for that and it's a tradition. That'll be interesting to look into, actually. Yeah, that's cool. That would be something cool for, uh, for our <laughs> movie as well. For like a found footage thing where you kind of like hear the bell and some stupid tourists are like, what's that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if you find the place where this actually happens, it's like automatic production value. <laughs> you don't even need to find a fake corpse. You're just like, all right, when the corpse is going out. Yeah, I do like the little detail that like you know, there's <laughs> so, the stories yeah. where if you ring the Taoist um, funeral bell, they'll hop home on their own because you've reminded them what they were doing. Yeah, you get like a giant bell somewhere and there's just like thousands and thousands of Jiangxi just like hopping Pitching there forward. and then you're like just make sure this bell does not go out and we're good <laughs> half of this plan was very good the other half needs some workshopping <laughs> <laughs> it just sucks for the guy in the bell tower who's now surrounded step one you summoned all the Jiangxi in China step two I thought you were doing step two yeah exactly <laughs> I feel like when I first heard about this, I was like, it just sounds so weird. I got to I gotta do that one. And uh, it has lived up to the weirdness. Exceeded the expectations, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. That's really weird. I thought I came in with a weird story, but now that I've heard those two, I think, I think I'm going to underperform with, with mine because those were – that's weird. It's the, the weirdness is in the details. Like why, why do they get so specific about it? But, uh, but yeah, really fascinating. Thanks for uh, thanks for that, Matt, and thanks for yeah, thanks <laughs> thanks for uh, picking that. Just <laughs> because I keep seeing Taoist Bell, and then I keep thinking Taco Bell, I do wonder. <laughs> I do wonder. So if, Get over it. <laughs> hey, I love Taco Bell; it's the best. Um, but used to episode sponsored by Taco Bell. Like, yeah, like I know they don't really have like a real bell there, but if they did, <laughs> then. Uh, do they not? Is there not a Taco Bell somewhere? Like, is there not an original bell? I don't know. I mean, I've Taco never bell? seen... There probably yeah. was a bell at some point. It's going to be in the original restaurant or the family yeah, there has to have been, Well, yeah. here's the pitch. Yeah. Taoist bell, it's a Chinese 
Mexican fusion horror themed restaurant. <laughs> Hell yeah. <Go> on. <laughs> I'm in. And they, they got like, they just have actors playing uh, the Jang the Chi too. So yeah. there's just these like hopping corpses around as you're just like chomping down on like a, on like a fucking Doritos Locos taco. <laughs> Should I continue with, um, with my story then? Yeah. Today, we are going to Sri Lanka. So we're definitely staying in in the Southeast Asian direction, but we're going to, to a different, different geographical area. Now, I want you to imagine that you're taking a casual stroll through a graveyard, as one does. Suddenly, you hear a noise. You turn to see what it could be and quickly realize that you're not alone. Now, picture a vampire, which is, <laughs> I would have said before today's episode, a scary thought. <laughs> if you did find a vampire scary, you'd be wrong and you're a fool because a vampire is nothing to compare to some of the vampires that we've been discussing today, including what I'm about to describe to you as the creature that is standing in front of you in this graveyard. This bloodthirsty demon comes in many forms, but today you see him in one of his most menacing. He appears in front of you as a giant, towering over you with four arms and clawed hands. In his hands, a sword, a parrot, a rooster, and a human head. By his it, side, it, it was it was scary, and then as soon as you started describing the thing, as soon as it's got a parrot and a rooster, it's like takes away the fear. A well, the parrot bit. is one of the reasons why I chose it because I know like two or three um, pirate jokes, and I think Matt's heard at least one of them, and I figured this would be a nice tie-in into Wake Not the Dead behind the scenes, and that's and that's how I picked this one. So, <clears throat> and a human head. <laughs> By his side stands a bestial hog that he rides through the night. The creature has the face of a monkey with a blue tint and blood is smeared all over it. In fact, blood is dripping from his entire body. Red rays shoot from his bloodshot eyes as blood pours from his nostrils and ears. He opens his mouth, releasing a foul breath. You peer inside to see the rotting remains of decomposing human body parts. You have come face to face with Riri Yaka, the demonic vampire. <laughs> so <laughs> there are many sources regarding this legend, but it is said that the Ririyaka was born to human parents in the area of northern India. Some say that he tore himself through his mother's chest, leaving her to die. And as the child grew, so did his appetite for human blood, until there was no doubt that this being was indeed a blood demon. What is also scary about this particular creature is that according to the legends, he doesn't just hang around cemeteries to eat humans anymore, but also possesses people, causing them to get sick, particularly with blood diseases. When this happens, the only way to get rid of him is through exorcism with the help of a katadia or a witch doctor. Obviously, these are legends, and if you're sick, go to a medical doctor. So that's the Riri Yaka. What do you think? My main thought is when it bursts out of the mother's chest, is the parrot the first thing that comes out? <laughs> yes, it is born with the Chef parrot. Buster. And the rooster. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, no, I, I, I would, I would guess that this because uh, it seems to be that there's only one of these, so it's not like, um, it's not like a vampire where there's vampires and that's their species. There's only one Riri Yaka, and mm. I guess as he lived his life and he is described as a he um because he started humanoid i guess uh i guess he collected the parrot on one of his travels potentially on a pirate ship one does not know <laughs> i mean what if you choose which one of his hands he kills you with and like you're thinking of being smart saying the parrot but it just takes longer it's both like it's both annoying it's like slowly biting you and it's just making parrot noises this is like taunting you as you're being murdered but that that generally seems to be the theme of asian vampires where it's it's super scary on the one hand but also kind of annoying on the other and it's really easy to beat them but if you miss your shot then you die a horrific death it seems to be very balanced, very much a give or and take when it comes to these uh, Asian vampire legends. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, it's it the kind of thing where yeah. if you're unprepared, you're in trouble. But if you go approach this like some sort of supernatural Batman and you're ready for everything, you can deal with any of them. I mean, we've learned today, keep keep scissors and fire with you at all times and avoid pregnant black cats. Uh, what's also kind of cool about, about Riri Yaka is that it's a, it's a character that you seem a lot in the performing arts so drama theater um maybe opera i'm not sure but um but when you see the costumes it's not really it's not really scary in terms of how people dress to look like this thing however the descriptions do sound kind of horrific and i guess if it because it it can change its body and look different but i guess it if it was huge and and just dripping blood from all its orifices and just getting ready to kill you and and eat you then uh then, i don't know maybe the parrot is is not as funny <laughs> but uh but yeah in the description <laughs> the rooster though the rooster stays hilarious Maybe he has the rooster because he's scared of Jiangxi, so he's got the rooster ready. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a rock scissors situation. Just have them fight each other. Yeah, you say you put these three vampires in a battle together, which one wins? Ooh, good question. Mariam's definitely has the stage presence. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like immediately you're like, the hopping vampire is coming in last. But you're not you're not expecting the fact that it can suck out souls. So it's like it's visually it's not menacing looking at all. But it's got that under the under its belt. It's like got that that sort of secret quality. I don't know if it can suck the soul out of another undead vampire. So it may be screwed there. But uh, I feel like the visual spectacle is definitely going to be the Riri Yaka and the like floating jellyfish organs coming out just like going wild what what the first one has as an advantage what, what was it called again the the floating organs lady which black magic right uh is that they are that their body is actually somewhere else and generally if the body is unharmed they already have an advantage by default but the riri yaka is depending on the the sources it's um compared to like a, a death demon often so it's it's kind of like it's it's the thing you would pray to to become something like the floating organs so i think in a in a battle of the three asian vampires um i i also think that the that the last one would come in with parrots and all <laughs> so weird 
Sorry, but After yeah. Sleeping on the parrot. This could be a demon parrot that we're just not ready for. <laughs> Freaking all parrots are demon parents. They <laughs> they constantly make a mess. They're they're loud, uh, and I can't I can't tell if they're super smart or super stupid or something in between. They just they just have this way about about uh, how they communicate with us. They're they're mysterious little evil creatures, and uh, and I love them. Yeah, I'm com- it comes from a place of love. I mean, All you right. can also just be like, yo, parrot, go find that body, start doing some damage uh, from damn. a distance. Yeah, oh, so. yes. yeah. And the rooster cancels out one by finding damage. the body, and the chicken cancels out the other one yeah, by scaring exactly. it away. The chicken can also just like start laying some eggs. Uh, well, no, it's a rooster. It's not, uh, was it a chicken or a rooster? It's a rooster. So, it's a rooster. Okay, so it cannot lay eggs, sadly. But it can. It can maybe. But it could find a chicken corn. and it could start getting some eggs going, <laughs> and then those eggs start <laughs> popping me, out, and then suddenly the Jiangxi is slipping over, just cracked eggs everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly there's this music in the background <laughs> cool well i've learned uh-huh. something today <laughs> we're definitely just going to go off on more and more tangents so let's wrap it all up do you have any more details you want to share about wake not the dead i mean for starters how long until the crowdfunding is over uh we've got a couple of weeks left on the crowdfunding um so- so yeah, the sooner you can check it out, the better. Definitely, um, I had set it up as kind of a shorter campaign, which I may actually extend it a little bit. But we're like a week into the crowdfunding campaign, and uh, we got a whole bunch of perks and stuff for it. Uh, and kind of like the way I set it up too was like, I, although I did yesterday add an additional kind of weird perk, but. In general, it's kind of like the perks stack for the most part, at least for all the digital items. But I sort of started off of just like get to watch the movie. So it's like that's like the sort of the one that I would want people to get. Um, and I know like 2023 is not a good time for people having money, but that one's not too expensive. And then you get to see the movie, which is cool because, you know, really it's like, I want to make the movie and I want people to watch it. So that's kind of like the ideal one for me. Then it sort of just stacks up perk wise. There's like the Blu-ray, there's the VHS, uh, which is kind of just a fun one. And uh, if you do go for the VHS, it's like very classic nineties VHS where it's pan and scan and it's, it's just the full nostalgic experience and, of course, a cool-looking box. And, uh, yeah, I would say really just, like... Check it out. Hopefully just check it out and, like, watch the trailer. And if the trailer looks cool to you, which I hope it does, then you should know if it's, like, something you'd like to uh, um, to purchase. And, yeah, it's, it's sort of, too, like, I know with a lot of crowdfunding campaigns, it's, like, you might get worried of, like, is this ever going to happen? This one, for sure, is happening. It's just, if it, if the Indiegogo, the more well the Indiegogo goes, the faster everything will happen. So, it's, like, you know, we've already shot so much of this movie. I love this movie. So, there's no chance that the movie does not get made. It's just, like it could take a whole hell of a lot longer to make uh, the less money we raise on the campaign. But yeah, the, I don't know, like, you know, Miriam, you saw like all the actors, they're incredible. Um, And yeah, you didn't even get to see uh, some, some of the actors yet, but they're, they're insanely good. And also in the trailer and uh, I don't know, it's just like such good performances. And it's like a script that I, really loved when I wrote it. And then 
once we got people acting in the movie, they just like elevated it. So it's even better. And I don't know, kind of even took the movie to like a whole new level to where I was like, I didn't think I could love this movie any more than I already do. But <laughs> then I got a bunch of people that are just insanely good and uh, sort of just like took things even in a slightly different direction than I was thinking originally. And that made it so much better. This movie is going to be a great movie. It's not just any indie film. It's done by some people who are extremely established within the horror genre. And once it is released, it will make some noise. So if you want to get in at the ground up and just support some hardworking artists and independent filmmakers, uh, check it out. Watch the teaser. Uh, how does it feel to you? And if you like it, then then get in early. So one day when this film does do the festival circuit and makes the rounds and is celebrated, you can say you were one of the original supporters and we will be extremely grateful. So uh, yeah, just check it out and um, let us know what you think. And um, thanks for your support if you do. And if you don't, then I hope a hopping vampire goes and kills you behind <laughs> a cemetery full of roosters and parrots. So, man. Dark side of the waking up the dead Indiegogo. <laughs> yeah, and, and really, even, even if you like, if you can't support it at this time, totally understandable. Um, but even if you can just share the campaign, or if like you know anyone that might be interested, send it their way. That would be amazing. Yeah, I've already started spreading it around a bit. It does look like a lot of fun. Before we retreat to our respective layers, do you have any final socials to share? Where can we find you? So you can find me, Matt Stewart, at uh, basically just my name on any social media kind of place. And it's M-A-T-T-S-T-U-E-R-T-Z. For the Wake Not the Dead Indiegogo, that's just wakenotthedead.com. Yeah, and if you want to find me, uh, the best place would be Instagram. My handle is at lady underscore Mariam underscore Michael. And whether you want to talk about this project or vampires or anything horror related, uh, I do respond to messages. So hit me up and let me know what's going on in your crazy world. Luke Law is a Ghost Story Guys production. If you do want to contact me, there's the show's dedicated email, lukelawgsg at gmail.com, and the general show email, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com. Both myself and the main show are rarely used to find on Facebook and Twitter if you want to make day-to-day -day contact, as well as a very active Instagram account a lot of the community gets involved with. If you want to support the show directly, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We do have Luke Law merchandise available at the Ghost Story Guys online store. Feel very free to show off any you get online. We have an ongoing push to promote Luke Lawmore, and the dedicated Facebook group for the show is now live if you want to come join us over there. As ever, though, the absolute best thing anyone can do to support the show is to give it a listen. And thank you to my guests today, Matt and Mariam. Hashtag wake not the dead. Hell yeah. Also, if you ever make any merch with these three vampires on it, I totally would buy that. Oh yeah, me too. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Yeah, thank you. Share this around if you think you may know someone who might be interested. Leave a review if you get the chance to help Sigma boost me. And most of all, I simply hope you enjoy what I'm doing here. Goodbye for now. Mm -hmm.